Putin may tighten grip on Wagner's lucrative activities in Africa. Jason Burke For days after Wagner Group mercenaries marched on Moscow, a Russian envoy flew into Benghazi to meet a worried local warlord. The message from the Kremlin to Khalifa Haftar, the self-styled general who runs much of eastern Libya, was reassuring, the more than 2,000 Wagner fighters, technicians, political operatives and administrators in the country would be staying. There will be no problem here. There may be some changes at the top, but the mechanism will stay the same, the people on the ground, the money men in Dubai, the contacts, and the resources committed to Libya, the envoy told Haftar in his fortified palatial residence. Don't worry, we aren't going anywhere. The conversation, relayed to The Guardian by a senior Libyan former official with direct knowledge of the encounter, underlines the degree to which the Wagner Group's deployments and its extensive network of businesses across Africa is yet to be hit by the fallout from the rebellion of its founder and commander, Yevgeny Prigazin. The resilience of Wagner's commercial operations despite the turmoil in Russia strongly suggests the regime of Vladimir Putin will seek to appropriate and exploit the lucrative web of hundreds of companies that Prigazin built, rather than shut it down, experts believe. He lived by the troll, he dies by the troll, Putin takes on Prigazin's business empire. Read more. In Libya, there has been no abnormal movement of Wagner personnel other than the redeployment of a small detachment of 50 closer to the border with Sudan. The situation is similar elsewhere in the continent, according to sources in half a dozen African countries with knowledge of its operations. For the moment, it looks like Wagner's operations are on hold. But they are successful and not so expensive, so it is very likely Wagner will be rebranded by Moscow while maintaining most of its assets and systems, said Nathalia Dukin, the author of a recent report on Wagner's operations in Central African Republic, CR, published by The Century, a US-based investigative organization. It is like a virus that spreads. They do not appear to be planning to leave. They are planning to continue. Though attention has mainly focused on Wagner's combat role, particularly in Ukraine in recent months, analysts and Western intelligence officials say that in Africa it is the group's economic and political activities that are important to Putin's regime. Since its first deployments in 2017, Wagner has really become much more widespread and high-profile. Now the Kremlin certainly seems to be trying to emphasize continuity, if not immediate expansion, said Julia Stanyard, an expert on Wagner at the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, last week reassured allies in Africa that Wagner group fighters deployed to the continent would not be withdrawn. In an interview with Russia Today, Lavrov pledged that instructors and private military contractors would remain in CR and Mali, the two countries in sub-Saharan Africa where Wagner has the biggest presence. A demonstration in Bangui, Central African Republic, in support of the Russian offensive against Ukraine, in May 2022. The most developed commercial operation run by Wagner is in CR, where the group's mercenaries arrived in 2018 to bolster the regime of President Fostenar Change Tadera, which was struggling to fight off a rebel offensive. From multiple bases in and around Bangui, CR's capital, Wagner has run an extensive mining operation across the country. The group has also begun making and selling beer and spirits, and has also been granted a hugely profitable concession to exploit rainforests in the south of the country. 
The biggest single project is the vast Ndassima gold mine, which has been taken over by Wagner and is being developed. Poor infrastructure is thought to have restricted output at Ndassima, however, forcing Wagner to seek profits through the takeover of smaller mines along CR's remote eastern frontier region. Last year, Wagner fighters launched raids on gold mines there that killed dozens, according to witnesses interviewed by The Guardian. These operations are thought to be the primary responsibility of a small detachment of Wagner fighters, which also oversees the smuggling of gold and much else into Sudan, where the Wagner Group has close contacts with the Rapid Support Forces RSF, of Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, currently battling for control of the state. Last month, the U.S. Treasury imposed a new round of sanctions that aimed to disrupt key actors in the Wagner Group's financial network and international structure. Three companies were targeted, all involved in Africa. One was Midas Resources, a CR-based mining company linked to Prigazin, which the U.S. Treasury said maintains ownership of CR-based mining concessions and licenses for prospecting and extracting minerals, precious and semi-precious metals, and gems including the Ndassima mine. A man holds a flag reading Mercy Wagner in Mali. A second company targeted was Diamville, described by the Treasury as a gold and diamond purchasing company based in the CR and controlled by Prigazin, which the U.S. alleges shipped diamonds mined in the CR to buyers in the UAE and in Europe, using a third company under sanctions called Industrial Resources. Experts have said diamonds would be useful for evading sanctions imposed on Russia after its invasion of Ukraine. You can buy any goods anywhere with diamonds, Dukin, the analyst, said. An earlier round of U.S. and EU sanctions targeted Wagner's holdings in Sudan, particularly a company called Marrow Gold. Recent EU sanctions also listed further companies alleged to be illegally trading gold and diamonds looted by force from local traders. Until fighting between rival factions in Sudan broke out in April, Wagner operatives ran an office near the airport in the capital, Khartoum, with bullion flown out from an airbase a short distance away in the desert, local officials and diplomats told The Guardian last year. Bullion is sent to the United Arab Emirates and Moscow for sale onto international markets. The conflict in Sudan is thought to have constrained but not entirely halted Wagner's extensive operations there, which are focused on gold mining and refining conducted in collaboration with the paramilitary RSF. The small Wagner detachment in Sudan has also had sporadic contacts in recent months with RSF and may have supplied them with weapons, according to local sources, but has otherwise stayed away from significant involvement in the fighting. The priority is basically to keep the gold moving, said one Western security source who was recently forced to leave Khartoum by the fighting. Last weekend, observers with multiple sources on the ground in CR said there had been no evidence of movement of Wagner personnel on any of the poverty-hit country's few major roads, nor at its principal airport. On the Sudanese frontier, it was business as usual, according to Enrique Pico, Central Africa director of the International Crisis Group. A truck belonging to the Wagner Group in an abandoned military base in Bengasu, Central African Republic. In Mali, where Wagner's commercial operation is less well-developed, the group is thought to have struggled to make significant profits since deploying in December 2021. 
Diplomatic sources told The Guardian that Wagner had experienced difficulty accessing the gold mines they were allowed to exploit under the deal struck with the regime of military ruler Asmi Goida but had been paid handsomely by the military regime. The U.S. believes Mali's transition government has paid more than $200 million, £157 million, to Wagner since late 2021, the White House national security spokesperson, John Kirby, told reporters last week. Political dividends have also been very significant. Last week, the UN voted to withdraw its peacekeeping mission in Mali after a decade, allowing the country to swing further under the influence of Moscow. Kirby said Prigazin helped engineer the departure of the UN to further Wagner's interests. We know that senior Malian officials worked directly with Prigazin employees to inform the UN Secretary-General that Mali had revoked consent for the UN mission, he added. The UN Security Council voted on Friday to end the mission. Earlier this month, Mali asked the UN peacekeeping force to leave without delay, citing a crisis of confidence between Malian authorities and the UN mission. Local sources in Mali said a routine rotation of Wagner staff had been completed without incident in the days after the mutiny and mercenaries had continued operations with Malian forces fighting insurgents across the center and north of the country. In Libya, another sizable contingent of Wagner mercenaries is deployed in the eastern part of the country controlled by the warlord Khalifa Haftar. The deployment has earned hundreds of millions of dollars in direct payments since the group participated in an abortive offensive to seize Tripoli in 2019, but has also offered opportunities to engage in oil smuggling on a massive scale, potentially earning similar sums. There have been no abnormal movements of Wagner personnel in Libya either, since Prigazin's mutiny, according to a well-placed former official and analysts. Low-level fuel and weapons trafficking is thought to be continuing across Libya's vast and largely unpoliced southern borders. Speculation has been rife on social media accounts used by Wagner fighters in Mali, CR, and elsewhere that the group's employees would be offered new contracts with the Russian state. However, any process of nationalization could lead to tensions, analysts said. Ali Ibrahimi, an expert on mercenaries at the Atlantic Council, said, in theory, this should be quite straightforward, given the Wagner Group's origins as the Kremlin's creature. But the commanders who run the day-to-day in Africa, like Ivan Maslavin Mali, who's been personally sanctioned, were elevated by Prigazin. They will have to reconcile the personal debt they owe to Prigazin and their tribal identity as private operatives rather than public soldiers with more centralized Kremlin control. From the Kremlin's side, the whole point and draw of letting Wagner off the leash in Africa was that they were a deniable force. Now the horrific crimes and abuses, as well as the economic predation, will have a clear return address. Central African Republic's president, Faustinar changed to Dara. The destabilizing effects on local regimes are already evident. There have been public disputes in CR between ministers over Wagner's exact role there, and senior officials have sought assurances that Russia will continue its support for President Tadera's campaign to change the constitution to allow a third term in power. A referendum is due next month. U.S. officials believe Wagner in Mali has been using false documentation to hide the acquisition and transit of mines, uncred aerial vehicles, radar and counter-battery systems for use in Ukraine. 
As the head of Wagner in Mali, Maslov arranges meetings between Prigazin and government officials from several African nations, sanctions documents claim. In the weeks before Prigazin's mutiny in Russia, there was evidence that Wagner was committing new resources and reinforcements to Mali and CR, where Moscow wants to ensure a successful result for Tadera's ally in a coming referendum. Officials and diplomats in CR have described Russia's plan for a new major base, with capacity for up to 5,000 fighters, which would be a launchpad for Moscow's geopolitical interests and operations in the surrounding countries. Two other targets for the Kremlin are believed to be Burkina Faso and Chad, but the biggest prize would be the vast and resource-rich Democratic Republic of the Congo DRC. Last year, approaches were made by Wagner representatives to the president of DRC, Felix Chisikadi, who eventually decided against hiring the group to fight against rebels in the vast country's rest of East in return for giving Wagner access to lucrative mining concessions. The bid to win new contracts and business opportunities in DRC was preceded by a significant influence operation masterminded by Prigazin's media specialists in St. Petersburg. Just four months ago Wagner was mounting recruitment campaigns specifically for African operations, as evidence suggested deployments were being reinforced in CR, Mali and elsewhere. Wagner's operations have always been closely aligned with Russia's longer-term foreign policy objectives, analysts point out. In 2019, leaked memos obtained by The Guardian revealed the Kremlin's aim to use clandestine influence operations in Africa to build relations with existing rulers, strike military deals, and groom a new generation of leaders and undercover agents in Africa. One goal was to strong-arm the US and the former colonial powers the UK and France out of the region. Another was to see off pro-Western uprisings, the documents said.